And so I want to say this before we get going this morning. If there's anybody in this place and you've been struggling in the arena of your mind, it does not mean that you are flawed. It simply means that the devil is attacking you in your mind. But I want you to know <laughs> that Jesus has washed you with his blood. And your mind is sanctified. Come on now, your mind is sanctified. And you have the ability to think godly thoughts. Come on, you have the ability to tear down strongholds that take place in the mind. And you have ability to put him to flight. And you can win this war in your mind. Lots of times the devil, he convinces us that there's something deeply wrong with us when our mind is acting squirrely. There's nothing deeply wrong with you. It's just the devil trying to wreak havoc. He is warring a war. He is waging a war against humanity and it's taking place in their mind. I got some stats for you this morning just to prove to you by raw data that there's something going on in the minds of humanity. 21% of U.S. adults experienced mental illness in 2020. 52.9 million people. This represents one in five adults. So according to this stat, one in five people in this room struggle with mental illness. Now this is just the clinical disorder. This is just that that has been reported, that people have gone and sought help and got medicated and, and sought therapy. This is just the people that have gone and, and reported it. Imagine how many more there is that have not reported it. Imagine how many people actually struggle with this and, and they've kept it to themselves and they've been fighting alone. Mental health issue is a real thing and the reason why it's a real thing is because that's where the devil attacks you. 5.6 of U.S. adults experienced serious mental health illness in 2020. Uh, 14.2 million people. This represents 1 in 20. So 1 in 20 have a serious battle with mental illness. 16.5% of U.S. youth aged 6 to 17 experienced a mental health disorder in 2016. 7.7 million people. This is old data. We're in 2022 now. Imagine how these numbers have increased after the pandemic. There's a reason why we've seen suicide rates in teenagers skyrocket over the last couple years. It's because they've been assaulted in their mind. And they've been locked up all alone to deal with anxiety of the mind. And because they've been dealing with anxiety in the mind with no way out, they decided to take their own life. We are not supposed to be ignorant of the enemy's devices. We must understand exactly where he's attacking us. It's the same spot he's always been attacking, and it's in the mind of the unbelievers and the believers alike. Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, out of the ESV version, it says, And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Notice what Scripture calls him, the deceiver of the world. Deception takes place in the mind. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, out of the Baron Study Bible, it says, I'm afraid, however, just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's coming. So who does deception? It's the devil. God will never deceive you. 
When you have thoughts that don't line up with the Word of God, you must recognize where those thoughts come from. They are not from Him. They're from the one who's trying to deceive you, to make you think on things that are not true. He's manipulating the truth because that's what he always does. And he's trying to get you to believe something that is not real and something that is not true. The Apostle Paul said, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, that your minds may be led astray from the simple and pure devotion to Christ. The enemy knows if he can lead you away in your mind, he can lead you away from Christ. He knows if he can lead you away from your mind, then you'll leave the simple truth and the simple devotion that we have towards Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 1.7, this is why he's warring such a warfare against the minds of humanity, is to separate them from their Savior. It's to convince them that they don't need him. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, out of the King James Version, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Someone say sound mind. Sound mind. Now when we read that, we just think that we have the soundness of mind, but when you really study it in the Greek, what it means in most translations, read it this way, we've been given self-discipline. And he's not talking about self-discipline over your body, even though we do have that. It's a different self-control than you see in Galatians 5, 22. What he's talking about is that we must be very disciplined in our mind. And the Apostle Paul, from his jail cell, just the way I see it, I see him screaming at this young pastor, Timothy, and he's saying, don't let your thoughts get away from you because Timothy was being challenged on every side. We know what's going on. Rick Renner was just here a couple weeks ago, and he, he painted a great picture of what was going on in Timothy's life. We know that there was the great fire of Rome, and Nero was blaming the Christians for that, and there was great persecution amongst the church, and the church was fleeing. In Ephesus, they were fleeing Timothy by the droves, and I I just see Timothy in his mind, like so many of us, he begins to blame himself. Maybe I'm not a good enough pastor, and so they're leaving. Maybe I'm not a strong enough leader, so they're leaving. Maybe I haven't done everything just right, so they're leaving. Maybe I'm the one that caused this. Maybe I'm too young, because you remember the Apostle Paul, he said, let no man despise you because of your youth. Maybe he thought, I'm just too young for this role. And so his thoughts were going crazy. And so the Apostle Paul is screaming at him. He's saying, come back to rational thinking. Amen. Come back. Discipline your mind, Timothy. Don't believe everything that it's telling you. And God is saying the same thing to us this morning. What Paul was instructing him to do here was be safe in your thinking. Come on now, church. Be safe in your thinking. Be, in that, be balanced in your thought process and disciplined in the area of your mind and your thoughts. We have been given a sound mind. But we must discipline, just like we bridle our tongue, we must bridle our mind. We can't let our mind wander and just meditate on anything that it wants to meditate. Because if we let it wander, it will lead us to death and destruction. Let's go look at Genesis chapter 3. Now I find this portion of passage very interesting. The devil has no new tricks. Here he's tempting Adam and Eve, and it's the same thing that Jesus faced in Matthew 4, 4, the same exact temptation, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And if you can battle against and be victorious in those three areas, then the devil cannot lead you astray. Wow. 
And so we see it here in Genesis chapter 3. It says, now the serpent was the shrewdest of all creatures the Lord God had made. Really, he asked, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, the 1996 version, so it may not match exactly. He said, he asked women, did God really say you must not eat any of the fruit of the garden? Of course we may eat it, the woman told him. It's only the fruit from the tree of the center of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God says we must not eat it or even touch it or we will die. What we see right here in this portion of scripture is God putting limits on humanity. Come on now, God's put limits on you. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I'll say that over here. God has put limits on you. You're not supposed to just do whatever you want to do. You're not just supposed to say whatever you want to say. You're not just supposed to live however you want to live. God has put limits on his creation. Right? And he's put limits on humanity. And a lot of the problem that people are seeing in their mind is because they've taken off the limits that God has put on them. When you see people mm -hmm, being voices for the devil... Now, no one take offense. It's just a very real struggle we see in our time. When you tell little boys that they can be little girls, you start breaking the limits that God has put on their life. When we tell little girls they can be little boys, we start breaking the limits God has put on their life. And then they're confused. And they have this mental breakdown because they're, they're trying to get beyond the limits of what God. You cannot remove the absolute of God. He is absolute truth, and he is the only one that is absolute, and he's made these absolutes. And we, as humanity, must live within the confinement of the absolute truth, which is the Word of God. You can't be whatever you want to be. You must be what he created you to be. And he knew you in your mother's womb. You go and you read Jeremiah when he goes down to the potter's house and he sees the clay being sculpted and he's watching it being made. And then he looks at the pot and he says, who is the pot to talk to the potter? And say, how did you make me that way? We're not supposed to argue with what he's made. We're supposed to embrace who we are. Ephesians 2 calls you his masterpiece. Masterpieces don't get put on display because they're flawed. They get put on display because they're perfect. When you see in scriptures where it says be perfect as God is perfect, it's not saying be perfect because you're not going to make perfect decisions. It's really saying be complete as God is complete. Be complete in his creation, in who you are. Be satisfied with the way that God made you. And don't try to change it. Yes, we must come in line with his word and live according to his word. But will you just be satisfied? with God's creation. There's no happiness beyond him. Somebody in the room, you're being set free in your mind because the world has lied to you and told you if you'll just change this now, you'll be happy. That is deception. And he is the liar. And the Bible says he's been lying since the beginning. You don't need to change that. I'm pleading with someone this morning, you don't need to change that. Jeremiah also said, when you were substance in your mother's womb. So interesting, that word right there, substance. If you look it up in the Greek, it means embryo or fetus. He knew you when you were just an embryo. 
when you were just a fetus, God knew you. And he knows you today. He knows you today. And yes, he wants us to get away from sin. And he wants us to live holy and he wants us to live sanctified. But we must take these imaginations and ideas that are from this world and from the devil and we must put them out of our mind. <laughs> we did an interview with Colton Dixon when he was here, Cody and I, and he shared a, something, a speech from Jim Carrey when he talked to us. He, he was sharing a, a, a speech with a college that was graduating and he said, I wish everybody could be rich and famous so they can see that there's nothing here. I wish everyone could be rich and famous so they could see that there's nothing here. Oh, how we think these things will make us happy. And how we've been so deceived. Just like Eve, to believe that if we'll just follow the patterns of this world, happiness is on the other side of it. Church, there's no happiness in worldly living. There's no happiness in worldly living. Verse 4, you won't die, the serpent hissed. God knows that your eyes will be opened when you eat it. Be careful of the one who's promising you wisdom. You'll become just like God. Look at this. This is the same trick the devil's always had. He's always wanting humanity. He's always wanting man to be God of their own life. Isn't that his original sin? I will be like God. He's always wanting you to be the God of your life. It's what he was doing with Adam and Eve. Knowing good, knowing everything, both good and evil. So the woman was convinced. Where was she convinced? In her mind. What lies has he sent your way to your mind and tried to convince you that it's true? The woman was convinced the fruit, here we go with the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. The woman was convinced the fruit looked so fresh. <laughs> Let me just stop right here. Ladies, mm -hmm. let me talk to you if you be single. I don't care how fresh he looks. All that freshness is going to leave. You know, we used to have this saying, you know, they used to say, ladies, watch how a man or a, a boy treats his mother and then you'll know how he treats you. I'm adding an amendment to that. Watch how he treats Jesus and you'll know how he treats you. Because Jesus is the one that told him to honor his wife and to love his wife. And so if he has no honor or love for Jesus, he surely ain't going to listen to Jesus when he told him to love you. So watch how he treats Jesus if you want to know how he treats you. Amen? And listen, you got to be like, remember when Samuel went to Jesse's house and he had all them boys and he lined them up and he's like, woo, this one looked fresh. He's so strong. Mm. He's been in the gym. He got them big arms and that good chest. And, and Samuel went to anoint him. And what'd God say? Mm -mm. Child, get out of here. He went right down the line, right down the line. He said, you got any other children? He said, oh, I got this little boy out in the field. And then what God said to Samuel, you judge by the appearance, but I judge by the heart. 
Ladies, get you a man whose heart belongs to the Lord. And if his heart belongs to God, he'll never run away from you. Now let me talk to the men, all you single dudes in the house. See, because here, uh-huh, said it looks so fresh, the dude's looking fresh, but then it also said it looks so good. The lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh. Listen, all them girls don't wake up with all that on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Glory to God. Hey, we just having a good time this morning, ladies. I think you're beautiful no matter what you're wearing. Glory to God. But you got to go after them for the right reasons. And I get it. You may be feeling alone, but it's worth the wait. Don't compromise. And there's something about compromise. Listen to me now. We always justify it in our minds before we do it with our actions. This is where deception comes in. Every wrong decision I've made before, no matter how long I meditated it, whether I meditated it for five seconds or I meditated it for ten minutes, I justified it in my mind before I did it with my life. We always justify sin first. Well, I'm just alone. Ooh, and then the devil get right up. See, God didn't call you to be alone. He even gave man, woman. And then you just, now you're justifying it with Scripture, just like the devil did. Oh, it's okay. Oh, and then, and then we jump over to like maybe David, you know, and we're a guy. Look, he laid with a woman that wasn't with his wife and he was still a king. I can do this. It's okay. And this is kind of mainstream preaching now. We hear preachers preaching this all the time. I just watched one last night on YouTube. I got so mad. You cannot tell people to lower their life and it's going to be okay. That is not the Bible. Amen. The Bible elevates us. It calls us to come up higher. Come on now. It calls us to come up higher. Yeah. Calls us to lay things aside. Yeah. To get rid of my wants and my will. Yeah. And to take on his will for my life and his desire for my life and his wants for my life. Yeah. We justify so many things. <laughs> we, well, well, in the word of God, it says that God used a donkey so I can just act like a giant. And it's going to be all right. Y'all filled in the blank, didn't you? You're smart. It's not giving you permission to act like a giant donkey. Come on, get your life. Who's in control? Is the devil in control of you? Are you in control of your members? We'll keep cruising. Praise the Lord. The woman was convinced, looked so fresh and delicious. It'd make her so wise. So she ate some of the fruit. She also gave some to her husband. Now, I, I noticed this a couple years ago. Homie's standing right there next to her. He's not down at the Euphrates River fishing. No, my dude's right here in the garden. And he's just watching all this unfold. Let me speak to the men real quick. And I know this isn't popular in today's society, but it's the word of God. The Bible says you're the head of the household. Don't just stand there and watch things get wrecked in your own house. Come on, don't just stand there and let that serpent come in there and convince your children that are supposed to live this way. Don't let that serpent come in there and tell your wife she's not good enough. Don't let that serpent come in there. Don't let him talk in your own house. Let them see how you follow God. Be that example in your own home. And when the devil comes in there, don't just stand there quiet like Adam, playing Tetris on his Game Boy. 
was a weird throwback. That just came out. We're so far removed from Game Boys. What was that? But what's the point? Dude's just zoned out. In this day and age, husbands, men, we can't afford, afford to zone out. You got to be dialed in. Come on, you got to be dialed in. Thank you for that singular amen. Hallelujah. Wish some of the men would get on board with this. Hallelujah. You got to be dialed in. Thank you so much. Glory to God. I was going to keep saying it until y'all responded too. Toward the evening, verse 8, toward the evening, the Lord God was walking about the garden. And so they hid themselves among the trees. The Lord called to Adam, where were you? He replied, I heard, I heard you, so I hid because I was afraid and I was naked. Look at this. As we read this, watch what happens when sin enters in. And this isn't our message today, but two relationships were severed. The relationship between them and God and then the relationship between Adam and Eve. We always think just one relationship suffered the consequences of this, but no, it affected Adam and Eve too because homeboy's getting ready to throw a whole homegirl right underneath the bus here in a minute. That relationship was done. Because <laughs> when it came down to it, he wanted to save his own neck. Most ungodly thing I've ever seen, right? And that's, that's, oh my goodness, Lord Jesus, how did we get over here? And this is indicative of our world today. No one wants to suffer the consequences for their bad decisions. He made a bad choice too. And there's consequences. Teach your children, there's consequences for bad decisions. They're that's still the word of God. The wages of sin is death. We don't want things that, we don't want relationships to die in our life. Right? And so we've got to see these things, and we've got to be running at this with eyes wide open. He replied, so I heard, verse 11, Who told you were naked? Lord asked him. Have you eaten the fruit I commanded you not to eat? Verse 12, yes, Adam admitted, but it was the woman you gave me. Ooh. Isn't that happening in our society all over the place? Blame, 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 blame. You know, that's not biblical. What's the Bible teach us in the book of Matthew? It talks about taking the two by four out of your own eye. Let's work on ourselves and stop blaming others. They didn't put that board there. You put it there. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll move on. Hallelujah. Verse 11, verse 12, yes, Adam admitted, but it was woman you gave me who brought me the fruit and I ate it. And then verse 13, the Lord God asked the woman, how could you do such a thing? The serpent deceived me. My translation says the serpent tricked me. She replied, that's why I ate. The serpent wants to deceive us in our minds. I say it this way, if he controls your mind, he controls your life. I remember when I first moved here and we lived in the apartments right across the street. I lived there for a while by myself and then Pav moved in, was my roommate for a long time before we met our beautiful wives. And uh, I remember one morning I was walking out to come to the church is when we're back at the A-frame. And as I got closer to my car, I noticed that all my glass window was just shattered and it was on the ground. And then I got over there and my CD player was gone and all my CDs were gone. They took all of my Garth Brooks and Tupac CDs. <laughs> I would love to see their face when they got in the car and they opened it up and they're just like, Garth Brooks, okay, and then Tupac. They're like, this man is confused, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm as country and as hip-hop as you can be. Hallelujah. 
And they stole my CD player, and so I, I did what any 22-year-old would do. I called my dad. And my dad said, why are you calling me? So much compassion. <laughs> you know? It's like, dad, someone broke into my car. And he's like, okay, why are you calling me? I just told you someone broke into my car. He just didn't care. I love you, dad. <laughs> Praise God. And so I, I got off the phone with him, and I called the police, and I called insurance. I got to the shop, and I got it fixed. But that fear of my car being broke into again began to dictate how I lived my life. I started to park in well-lit areas. I would park underneath the streetlight in my apartment complex, even though I had to walk farther to my, my house or my apartment. And then this actually did start happening. If I would drive, I'd have to go somewhere to get some groceries or something like that. If the parking lot wasn't well lit, I would just push it off until tomorrow. And I'd go during the day. Faith is of the heart, but fear is of the mind. And if he can get you in fear, man, we've seen this the last couple of years. If he can get you in fear, he can control your whole life. And so what do we got to do? We've got to get this under control. And so how do we keep from playing the games of the devil when it comes to our mind? And we're going to break this down into a multi-part series. The next time Pastor Mark and Pastor Ronda are out, we'll pick it up. But first, I want to start here. And even if you know these principles, we're going to look at them again. It's time to start doing what the Word of God has told us to do. I love what Matt Chandler said. He said, it's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to stay there. It's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to stay there. So maybe someone's worn in your mind and you've been having problems with anxiety and you've been having problems with depression. You're not flawed and it's okay to be there, but it's not okay to stay there. Come on, we got to let Jesus pull us through to the other side. Amen. And so the first thing we've got to do is we've got to start to renew our mind. And the way we renew our mind is with the word of God. And as I've been studying this and praying about it, the Lord revealed it to this, this way to me. The Word of God is the steering wheel for your mind. And what the Word of God does is it keeps your minds in between the lanes. It keeps you in balanced and reasonable thinking. It keeps you in disciplined thinking. And I remember when I was living in Colorado, my brother and I, he had a 1970-something Ford pickup truck that we had restored like five times. We put like a 305 motor in it, and he blew it up. So then we put a 327, he blew it up. So then we put in like a 402, which was like a Chevy motor, but we made it work. It was fantastic. And I remember we were leaving our small town Bertha to go to a bigger town, Loveland, to get some ski rentals because we wanted to go skiing. And we're driving down 287, which is one of the most popular highways in Colorado. And I look over at my brother, and he's looking at me, and he's holding the steering wheel that fell off of the steering column. He's just looking at me holding the steering wheel. And I look at the dash and the steering column's coming out of the dash and it's just a nut shaft like wiggling around just like this. And I'm thinking, we're gonna die, you know? He's holding the steering wheel and he's looking at me like I'm gonna do something about it. And then all of a sudden, that truck started to wander from the lane we were in onto oncoming traffic. It went through oncoming traffic into the ditch, popped over the ditch, and we finally stopped in a used Dunlap trailer sales car lot. So we did what any teenager's boy would. We put the steering wheel back on and jumped on the highway and went after it again. But without that steering wheel, that truck could not stay between the lines. The only way you can keep your mind from swerving into oncoming traffic, 
The only way you can keep your mind from going into the ditch and potentially hurting you and hurting others is to grab a hold of that steering wheel, which is the word of God, and begin to renew your mind. We must begin to think his thoughts for our lives. We must begin to meditate on what he has said about our lives. We must begin to wash our minds with the truth of God's word. Pur purify. This is the most advanced computer system that was ever created because our minds made computers, but God made your mind. But just like computers, they need to be cleaned and maintained. And you hear people say all the time, well, I just speak my mind. There's no problem with that unless your mind's full of garbage. If you're going to speak your mind, fill it with the word first. You want to walk in victory? Fill your mind with the word and then you'll speak victory. You want to walk in health? Fill your mind with the word and then you'll speak health. You want to walk in sanity and sound mind? Then fill it with the word and it will discipline your mind and keep it from wandering. Over here in Romans, and we know this scripture, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, out of the Barren Study Bible, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, on account of God's mercies, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Bringing that standard up. Holy and pleasing to God. I'm really on that right now. Which is your spiritual service of worship. Verse 2, don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what is good and pleasing in the perfect will of God. For by the grace given to me, I say, now we usually stop at verse two, but look at verse three. For, I say, for by the grace given to me, I say to you, every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought to, but think of yourselves with sober judgment disciplined judgment according to the measure of faith that God has given you. Now I wrote this down. If we're not renewing our minds, then we're conforming in our lives. If we're not renewing our minds, then we're conforming with our lives. Christianity, it's an uphill drive and when you put the car in neutral, you start to go backwards. Church, you got to keep your foot on the gas pedal and keep that pedal pushed to the floor. If you're not renewing your mind, then you're conforming to the world. Because this world and the devil, the great deceiver, is assaulting your mind relentlessly. Relentlessly. And in the world, anything goes. And that anything goes mentality has created a lot of confusion. It's created a lot of insanity. we got to discipline our minds. And we do that by renewing. Now, something interesting here, if we go back to Genesis 3, we remember when she was convinced in her mind she wanted to be the God of her life. She wanted to be wise like God. So she took control. What is that? That's the pride of life. And the Holy Spirit's had me on pride for like a year and a half now. When you're in pride, God can't help you. So many people are trapped in their sin because they're proud of it. When God wants to bring them through to the other side, and it's the same with our minds. He said us, and he gave this key to us here. He said, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think. When we start thinking of ourselves 
in a highly manner, we begin to be convinced and deceived by the devil that we no longer lead God. And the moment the devil convinces you in your mind that you don't need God because you to stuff, you have now lost the battle of your mind. The steering wheel has been taken off and trouble and danger is lying right ahead of you. Look at this scripture over here in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 30. We must think of ourselves soberly. We cannot think we can do this without God. We need to remember John 15. He is the vine and we are the branches and apart from him we can do nothing. We must stay yoked to him and connected to him. And what the devil's trying to do when our minds, he's trying to convince us that we don't need him. Just like he did with Eve. You're better off without him. Be the God of your own life. Anything goes. The problem with you being God of your own life is there's no accountability. And if there's no accountability, then it's a God that you have made up. Because the word always keeps us accountable. Amen. Right? Yes. So let's look at this scripture. Cody and I talked about this on our podcast and it just jumped up in my spirit and I knew I was going to use it in this service as soon as we talked about it. Chapter 11, verse 28 through 30 out of the NIV, it says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Where do we need rest? Well, lots of times in our mind. It's just racing. Racing and racing. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. For you will find rest for your souls. What's your soul? Your mind, your will, and your emotions. You will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you look up that word yoke in the Greek, it talks about how a piece of wood will go across two animals, particularly ox, and it ties them together so they can work as one. When we think of ourselves more haughty and in a way that we ought not think and we get prideful that we're all this in a bag of chips, what we do is we unyoke ourselves from Jesus. But we're still connected to the same, we're still connected to the same plow that is called life. And now instead of working as one with him to pull that plow, we're working alone. And this is why the devil deceives us in our minds. So we'll unyoke ourselves from him. So we'll go through life alone. And if you go back to Genesis, what did God say? It is not good for man to do life alone. Right? Right? And so we've got to stay yoked to him. We cannot be deceived in our minds and move away from God. But instead, we must continue to renew our minds with the word of God. Go over to Joshua. I believe there's a key in here. and Many of us have read this many times before, but I think the Lord's going to show us something that's going to help us this morning. Someone say, I'm free. <clears throat> Joshua 1 says, after the death of Moses, the Lord took the servant 
the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses, the assistant. He said, now that my servant Moses is dead, you must lead my people across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Everywhere you go, you will be in the land I have given you. From the Najib River Desert to the south, to the Lebanon Mountains, to the north, to the Euphrates River on the east, and the Mediterranean, uh, Mediterranean Sea on the west, all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand their ground against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you nor abandon you. Now, verse 6, watch this, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. For you will lead my people to possess the land I swore to their ancestors. Be strong and very courageous. Now watch this. Obey all the laws Moses has given you. Do not turn away from them. And you will be successful in everything you do. Amen. Verse 8. Study the book of the law continually. Watch this now. Meditate day and night so that you may be sure to obey all that is written in it. Only then will you succeed. I command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so we see this, and I found it really, really interesting. That God is telling Joshua, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. And then right in the middle of that, it's like he gives us the antidote to fear and discouragement. Meditate my word. Study the book of the law. And yes, I know part of it is that God was telling them, I will be with you. But what reminds you that God is with you everywhere you go? It's the word of God. And so it's like he told him, don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. And then he filled in the blanks. Study the law of Moses. Meditate the word day and night. And then he brought it back on the back end. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Listen, when we renew our minds with the word of God, fear and discouragement departs from us. Come on, and I know people that really struggle with this. If you knew how I had to reign in my mind all the time so fear didn't grab me, so discouragement didn't grab me. This is something my family deals with very intensely. I've got a family member, and if they're watching, I don't believe they would care if I shared this story, but they couldn't even drive for a couple years because they were so tormented in their mind that when they would drive their car, they got back home, they believed that they hit someone with their car, ran them over, and killed them, so they would lay in bed for two days. Tormented in their mind. So they went and saw a therapist and saw a doctor, and the doctor gave them some medicine to help regulate that. And I'm not against medicine. Medicine will regulate and it will help, but Jesus will cure. And so they got medicine to help with that, and I love this so much. As they were leaving the doctor's office, the doctor said, I'm going to give you this natural medicine, but the best thing you can do is every single day read the scriptures. The best thing, and this was a, a medical doctor, a therapist telling them, the best thing you can do, meditate the word. They were so excited, they called me, and they're like, you will not believe what this doctor just told me. They said they're giving me medicine to help with my mind, but they said if I really want to be free in my mind, I need to read the scriptures every day. Come on now, read the scriptures every day. We know this, but are we doing it? Let's read the word and let's meditate the word so we can be free and walk in the freedom that the word has provided. Faith is of the heart, fears of the mind. As we grow in faith from meditating the word, it will displace that fear that is in our minds. Amen. It'll displace that discouragement yes, yes. that is in our minds. The word is powerful and the Bible says it's sharper than a two-edged sword. 
and it'll cut that nastiness out of your life and out of your mind. But you've got to wash your mind with the Word of God. Be made free in your minds as you renew with the Word of God. I remember the children of Israel over in Numbers chapter 13. And remember they sent out the spies to see the promised land and they came back and they're like, dude, there's grapes the size of our heads. Milk and honey, but there's these giants. Who are those giants? I don't know. Maybe the son of God, sons of gods. Maybe the same giants that we see in Genesis chapter 6, the fallen angels. Again, we see the same temptation with them. They saw a woman and saw that it was good, so they took woman as their own, and then God brought the flood. Who were those giants? Maybe they were the remaining fallen angels. I know that's who Goliath was. He was the last one. But they saw those giants, and so they began to give a report of what they saw. And the next time we preach, we're going to be talking about how to take these imaginations captive and make them subject to the law of Christ. But the first thing you must know is the other two, Joshua and Cable, what they do? They rehearsed what God had said. They were renewing their minds. No, 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 this is what God said. And what I see out here, it might be real, but it doesn't matter because God is taking care of it. And so they rehearsed that, and they spoke that, and they spoke it, and they spoke it, and they spoke it. And then later on, we see God telling Joshua, now go take it. Why? Because he disciplined his mind. He renewed it with what God said. Even when they were given that bad report, he challenged them. They said, no, 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 no. God said, surely I will give you the land. And what those other spies did is they convinced everybody else in their mind, we can't take it. What has the devil lied to you about? What he's painted a picture in your life saying you can't obtain this. It's just a lie. Read the word of God. And when you read the word of God, faith will come to you so you can obtain all the promises that are yes and amen. But before that happens, church, we've got to get our minds under control.